Welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Proudly brought to you by Cheese Links, bringing cheese and yogurt making to your kitchen. Cheeselinks.com.au When only the best will do. No, not what they used to say in the TV commercials. No, it's actually, but here's two words. It's food bites. When only the best will do. And if I was going to go to the drive-in, Kevin, I'd want to go with you. To the drive-in? Mm. Oh, there's still the odd one kicking around. Yeah, we used to have one at Lee and Gather. Oh, they were everywhere, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, saw Star Wars, Grease, uh, you know, the Back to the Future films. Did you watch the movies? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to Food Bites <laughs> with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Thanks to Cheese Links. Cheese is life. Yeah, and if you want all the equipment or to check out anything you need to help you make cheese in your very own kitchen, cheese or yogurt, it's pretty easy to make. You'd be surprised. Janet can help you out. Just uh, log on to, Kevin, cheeselinks.com.au. <laughs> Or give her a call on 52821984 and cheese making is fun. It's not it's not a drudgery, it's not a it's not a chore, it's a churn and it's a, it's, it's fun. It's a labor of love. It is. Absolutely. And you'll enjoy you you really will. It's that thing where when you're finished and you made it yourself and you tasted it you go oh, that's pretty damn the good. The satisfaction you know. of serving a cheese platter that you made yourself is is to be savoured. Um, speaking of great food, I reckon this uh, week's episode of Food Bites is going to leave you absolutely ravenous. <laughs> oh, is it ever? <laughs> Our guest is a man uh, you know well from uh, television and mm-hmm. film uh, and he's about to be very heavily involved in the Peninsula Film Festival on March 12 at the Dramana Drive-In. To Google it and you can uh, jump on the website and have a look at what it's all about. His name my is reference to, to drive-ins. Steve Bastoni. Yeah. Yes, we had a great chat with Angel Steve. Angel and Police Rescue. Oh. couple was, of years on Neighbours. Yeah, a couple of other things he did that we might uh, probe him about. Well, let's be honest. You've done <laughs> – you, you did, I won't say you did an enormous amount of research, what? but you remember him from a film yeah. that I think he's – as you'll find <laughs> out in the interview, about. he's trying to forget really quickly. But, uh, but no. it was a breakout film for many, um, well, stars of the uh, the Aussie screen today. It was a Ben bra- Mendelsohn's. It and- was a breakout film for many of those stars' faces, not to mention anything <laughs> yeah. else. No, it was uh, funny. We had a, a bit of a we, – we reminisced. A bit of a – Nostalgic trip. But, you know, like most uh, actors in this country, he's uh, done a little uh, table waiting, so we'll talk about mm. that and about the Peninsula Film Festival Oh, as and well. just about his appreciation of fine food, oh, yeah. living down on the Mornington Peninsula. I mean, you know, macadamia brownies with crispy edges and gooey centres. Oh, my goodness. Sabaglioni. I don't know how to say it in the way that Steve says it, but he says it so well. He says it so well. In fact, he says it so well. Let's talk to him now. You are listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier, brought to you by Cheese Links, bringing cheese and yogurt making to your kitchen. Cheeselinks.com.au Thanks for being on Food Bites. Is is the kitchen a happy place for Steve Bastoni? It is, actually. I've always enjoyed cooking. Um, Obviously, I come from an Italian background, and my first job was in, in the uh, on the floor as a waiter of Donini's. Oh. So, um, yeah, I was always curious of how they made their pasta and how they put together the dishes. And uh, it's something that I've always enjoyed. But I love food. I love eating. So, <laughs> you know, in order to satisfy that, you need to learn to cook. <laughs> and you, d- you did teach yourself to make your uh, favourite Italian dish at one stage, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I've got a few that I really enjoy making. Um and I've experienced it over time with other things as well. I've 
um, how to how to crack it, some Thai food, <laughs> which I'm not that good at. It's uh, they use completely different herbs and spices, but um, um, yeah, Italians kind of where, where my heart is, I guess, and where my stomach is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I read not such a long time ago, uh, you're quite the fan, speaking of Italian food, of uh, pizzas, especially, well, even bad pizzas. I don't know what mm. what uh, <laughs> constitutes a good or a bad pizza, but you have a thing for prawns and pepperoni together still? Yeah, I know. It's crazy. It sort <laughs> of um, it raises a few eyebrows, but yeah, I love it. I love I love hot, I'm a fan of spicy food, which is kind of more like people from the south of Italy are more into the spice, spicy stuff. People from the north, not so much. And in the middle of Rome, it's kind of a mild, milder palate. But somewhere off. Oh, <laughs> Hello, puppy. <laughs> somewhere I've developed, I must have some Spanish blood or something because I've developed a taste for um, hot food and I really enjoy um, spicy stuff. So, um, yeah, I like my prawns and I like the sort of crunchiness of, of the prawns and, um, uh, the spiciness of the, of the pepperoni. I mean, it's not pepperoni, hot salami, really. Mm, Pepperoni's kind of, pepperoni doesn't really have much kick at all. So hot salami, I prefer the, a good hot calabrese. Has that been handed down to the next generation of Bastoni? So you, you, you three children? <laughs> my daughter, my youngest daughter, uh, well, my only daughter, uh, and the youngest child, Stella, she loves to uh, cook. And she's been experimenting making her own pizza lately. <laughs> and uh, my eldest boy, Roman, has sort of learned to cook a little bit, um, mainly using the microwave. <laughs> but um, he's, uh, he's learned how to put together a few bits and bobs. I think it's important. I mean, I, I learned to sort of um, cook for myself when I was probably 11 or 12, you know, um, how to put on a pasta and stuff like that. Um, not out of necessity, but just out of, um, you know, mum would sort of go, well, you you have a go and taught me how to, how to do it. And um, it's come in very handy over the years. <laughs> and speaking of great uh, food locations, your family's located down on Victoria's Mornington Peninsula. We, we spoke to yep. Tony Barber recently and he said, look, it's just a, a treasure trove where you are for, for great wine, great coffee, great food in general. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of really, um, really good food sources around the peninsula, obviously. There's great, um, you know, great farm gates and things like that and you know, you've got things like um, uh, the Epicurean up in Red Hill, which is a very good restaurant, and uh, there's a few hidden gems around. Um, I really like the, um, the the goat the goat cheese up at uh, Red Hill Dairy as well. Mm. There's that beautiful goat's cheese that they make up there; it's really good. I don't drink wine, but I'm, I know that there's some very good wineries around here as well. So um, I don't drink at all these days, hey. but um, no, if I did, I'd probably indulge in a drop of Pinot Noir from either Scorpo or Crittenden or somewhere. You said you don't drink these days. Was there a conscious decision just to, to stop at some stage? Yeah, look, I was a bit of a party animal back in the day. And see, when I lived up in Sydney, I was on the tear for a couple of decades and <laughs> and um, and it just didn't, uh, it wasn't conducive to a, a happy family life, I think. So mm. as soon as the kids came along, I made the decision that um, I didn't want to wake up with any hangovers and uh, I didn't certainly didn't want to see them to see me um, not in control of myself. So 
um, because I, I, I used to give it a bit of a nudge. So I just made a decision that I, I'd probably have to <laughs> hang up the boots. And um, and it's the best thing I've ever done, to be honest. I'm, 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 I don't um, I don't regret that decision. I, I think you know my life is better as having made that decision. So yeah, yeah I I do enjoy um, you know I still enjoy. I, you know, food, and I love. I'm like, I've got a sweet tooth as well. So. Well, that was the next question that was coming because <laughs> that that's one of the one of the kind of fall downs of the Italian blood, isn't it? That there is uh, often a sweet tooth gun there. But you mentioned you love the spicy stuff. So where does the sweet stuff sit? Well, uh, the sweet stuff um, sits after the main course, generally for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes during the middle of the day. Um, I'll have a little, uh, you know, I, I'm a sucker for a good brownie. Um, <laughs> there's a cafe down the road that makes a great brownie with macadamia. In, oh. In a, oh, yum. Uh, good, yeah, chewy, a chewy brownie with crisp sort of top and top and chewy in the middle with crunchy macadamias does it for me. Um, but I, I love a good Eton mess and I love a good chocolate mousse and I, I'm a sucker for um, the uh, crock and bush at um, at Brunetti's. Oh, Every yeah. time I go there, I just have to get a crock and bush because they've got the beautiful Zabayone cream in there, which, of course, yeah. Zabayone is, is that sweet. Uh, it's a sweet, it's like a mousse made from Well, you uh, hand whisk goat. it, don't you, forever and ever and ever. It's, um, it's a yeah. labour of love, the Zabayone, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's right. It's the Zabayone. To make a good Zabayone is a real art form and, and it really should be made and at the table and eaten at the table. So, you know, if you get a good Italian restaurant, they'll actually bring out the copper. They'll bring out a copper, um, a copper bowl, a heated copper bowl, and whisk it in front of you and pour it into a into a glass. So it should be it should be almost a cross between a mousse and a liquid almost uh, when eaten fresh. But you know, there's also uh, a, a good tiramisu is also uh, you know mm-hmm. something oh, something. Yeah. Uh, that gets me, and the best tiramisu I've had is again at Donini's. You know, um, Donini's have got a beautiful recipe for the, for the tiramisu where it's not too much um, savoyardi biscuit. You know, the, the, the biscuit these days they make it sort of very spongy and they add cream and too much liqueur and things. Mm, yep. but, you know, when it's when it's done right, the savoyardi biscuit, the, the, the sponge bit. Uh, well, they're actually biscuits. It's not. It's, so the sponge sort of gets soaked in in a, a light coffee liqueur which gives it a sort of sponginess uh, they're normally you know those those savoyardi biscuits if you eat them dry they're crunchy but once they've been soaked they turn into like a sponge and then mm. you have that beautiful um you know the um, mascarpone cheese and with no cream a proper zabayone doesn't have any cream in it so yeah. it's all mascarpone cheese but it tastes creamy yeah. and Oh, and it's delicious. <laughs> We've really managed, haven't we, to a sort of adulterate beautiful oh, Italian food, especially yeah. when I guess when it comes to simplicity, you look at uh, what we've done to uh, pizzas and uh, and so yeah, forth and pizza. pasta. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, carbonara is a classic, uh, you know, the bastardization of the carbonara. Yeah. Uh, the traditional carbonara is just um, is just spaghetti and it's got egg, egg yolk, no, uh, only egg yolk and pancetta and black pepper. Mm. That's it. And a bit of olive oil, maybe, but that's it. And you know, they, we put cream and onion and all kinds of mushrooms, all kind of wacky stuff in it. And it's no longer a, a carbonara; then it's, it's it's something else. But you know, look, it's not all bad. I I I must confess, I don't mind an egg on a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Me either. <laughs> 
crazy, you know, but I, I don't mind it. Um, you know, and, and, you know, like the prawn, I would never have probably tried prawns with pepperoni if I didn't have an adventurous yeah. kind of streak with the food. You have to, I I'm not, I'm not one of these purists who goes, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. I think whatever, you, you know, whatever works for you, eat it, you know. Hey, I just wanted to talk, Steve, just about uh, your, your career and you've had a very long and successful one. Last couple of years have been hard yards for everybody and I guess yeah. acting can be an unstable profession, full oh. stop. But even before COVID came along, um, yeah. but you've always been one, it seems to me, to to be able to adapt and, and, and show your versatility. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I think if you're going to be an actor, you, you better have a few strings to your bow. Um, not only, um, you know, you've got to be... Um, you've got to be industrious, I think. And, and uh, you know, for me... Acting, I couldn't have raised my family just on on my income as an actor. So I had to I had to sort of um, adapt and pivot to other income streams. And for me, you know, at one stage I was teaching acting. I, I've done, you know, I do voiceovers. Um, I've I've done workshops, and I've also created the Peninsula Film Festival, which is now in its eleventh year. And um, it's going to be on at the drive-in, at the Dramona drive-in on March the 12th. Get your tickets at peninsulafilmfestival.com.au. Um, it's 40 bucks a car and it's going to be an amazing night. Um, music, food trucks and 20 of Australia's best short films. So, uh, yeah, that's what I've, I've, I've had to sort of adapt and create other revenue streams for myself, having had three children. Mm. Um, you know, you sort of have to, yeah, you have to obviously um, – um, catered to you know, catered to the demands that 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 creates, and so um, for me, acting hasn't always been a stable uh, source of income. So there's been times when I've had to look look elsewhere and and do my classes or workshops or teaching. Or uh, as I said, the film festival has been a constant, but that doesn't really sort of bring in a hell of a lot of money. That's more a labour of love. I was going to say it's more a passion, isn't it? That than that it yeah. is actually a, a massive uh, you know earner for you. That's right. Yeah, that's right. But somehow I've always managed to survive. You know, I have a way. I've been fortunate enough to carve a career out of an industry that that uh, is pretty brutal. Um, most actors don't earn. You know, they earn about. I think the average wage for an actor is about two thousand dollars a year or something professionally. <laughs> so you know, only about ninety six percent of actors are only. Well, ninety six percent of actors are unemployed at any given time. So. Mm. You know, they're not great figures for, um, you know, a consistency of income. And, and a, you know, my accountant just goes, Jesus, what, <laughs> why did you become an actor? <laughs> you know, one year, one year, you know, it's it's a feast and the next year it's a famine. But, you know, we average it all out and it all kind of, I don't know, we've all managed to stay alive and, you know, we still eat well and, um, mm-hmm. you know. My kids go to a good, decent school and, you know, we don't go without anything. So I've been very fortunate. I consider myself pretty lucky. I mean, uh, during the police rescue days, that was obviously steady work for a while and you, you had a very high profile uh, at, at that time. What are your memories of, of those days? Well, uh, funnily enough, it, it, it may have seemed that I was everywhere all the time, but there, there was actually a lot of famine during that time mm-hmm. in that we would shoot for six months of the year and then, um, and then we'd have a high, six months off while they wrote the next series of scripts, yeah. etc. And so, in that six months off, I'd be on air. 
So people assume that I was working. People don't understand, and they still don't get that, that, you know, films take a long time to produce. And because Police Rescue was shot on Super 16, it was a film, but essentially making a film a week, you know. So uh, it wasn't like television where it's all, you know, shot half an hour a day, sort of like Neighbours or something, where they put it together, you know, that night. You know, Rescue had, you know, the film had to get shipped off to the lab, had to be processed, it had to be edited, then it had to be graded sound mixed, etc. So it was like making a feature film every week. Um, and so the, the, the time between shooting and screening was, you know, a good six months at least. And yeah. so often I'd be on screen, but mm. I'd be unemployed. Yeah. <laughs> so there was a time there where I was actually working in a restaurant in Newtown as a waiter in Sydney. I was working as a waiter and I was on screen that night. So people would be They'd come into the restaurant and go, oh, we watched you on Rescue tonight. <laughs> yeah, how's, the, how's the career going? And I was like, oh, yeah, pretty good, thanks. God, it's really um, deceiving, isn't it? Yeah. So, so you know, you just have to – I think you've got to be industrious and you've got to be flexible in, in, in what you do if you're going to be an actor and you have to sort of be prepared to have those lean years and and um, and be, you know, pivot to do whatever you need to do. So – Especially if you've got a family to raise, yeah. and I know most actors sort of go, you know, end up doing some kind of teaching or um, master class or you know um, phone marketing or whatever they have to do. You know, mm. um, I, I know most creatives actually have to supplement their income with some kind of side hustle. Yeah. Hey, tell us about yeah. Poker Face. This film you're doing at the moment, or, or just finished, or about to finish, or trying to finish. Yep. I guess is probably the yep. best way to put it. With with Russell Crowe. Yeah, yeah, it's um, well. I can't say much about the plot line other than you know Russell's the lead in it, and he plays a tech billionaire who um, who has a yearly poker game with his best mates, and and this year uh, things sort of unravel and come to a head. Um, and we we got shut down with COVID with six days to shoot last year, and so that was kind of heartbreaking. We were nearly at the finish line. We got through seven weeks and. The last week, somebody got COVID, so we had to close down. And uh, I'm about to fly up back up to Sydney today in about an hour to um, – uh, well, in an hour, I'm getting picked up to go to the airport. And then uh, we're going to finish it off this week. So in oh. two weeks, it'll be will be shot out, and, and then it'll go to the editing room. Beautiful. Exactly. What about yeah. the Mick Gatto film that you're, you've been talking about? That's a – and you're you're behind this one. You've got more to do than just actually being in it, because uh, that's a gutsy that's been, a gutsy call doing a film about Mick. Don't get it, don't get it wrong. On, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's been put on the back burner that right. project uh, because with obviously there's a, a number of things reasons why, but COVID being one of them, it's yeah. just been possible to coordinate that. So that's all on the back burner. Um, Steve, you obviously had a um, a, a special relationship with the the legendary. Stuart um, Wagstaff, and I've seen a couple of times you mention in various articles a, a beautiful gift that he uh, he left to you, and yeah. I would like you just to um, explain to us how that came about. Yeah, look, Stuart, I first worked with Stuart in 1987 um, when Russell Crowe, myself, and Simon Westaway were doing uh, Rocky Horror Show, mm-hmm. and Stuart was the narrator. Mm. And Stuart was, you know, showbiz legend. And, uh, you know, I'd watched him on Blankety Blanks and Celebrity Squares and all those shows. And, you know, he was always this kind of, you know, erudite sort of gentleman from another world, you know, like for a kid growing up in Brunswick, people like that you only saw in the movies. 
and he always had a real class about him, I thought. And um, uh, he was funny and witty and charming and, and smart. And, and, and you know, Russell and I would sort of go to his dressing room, you know, between shows and, and you know, he'd sit in his chair. He always had like a, a, an armchair in his dressing mm. room that was almost resembled a throne <laughs> where he'd sit and do his – and he'd sit and do his crosswords, you know, and Russell and I would go in and go, hey, right, hey, Stuart, tell us about Hollywood, you know, and, and what was, you know, well – what was John Wayne like? And, you know, all this kind of stuff. And we, we, he'd regale us with these stories of old Hollywood, you know, and he had a, he was a direct link to that world, that portal, you know, for us. And it was really inspiring. And, um, you know, he always was sort of like uh, Uncle Stu, you know, and I mean, <laughs> you know, he was, he was a cheeky old bastard too, you know, like he, he, he used to love squeezing my shoulder. Before every every <laughs> performance, she'd give me a little squeeze on the shoulder, a little naughty giggle, and we'd go, "Oh, you're a rat bag, Stuart." <laughs> and um, but he, you know, he 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 was always a gentleman, and um, and uh, you know, there was never any impropriety or anything like that. He was always a, a real gentleman to us, and and treated us um, like his. You know, he had no children himself, so we were sort of like his kids. You know. And, in a way, and, and he'd have parties at his house in North Sydney, and he'd invite all the cast along, and 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 he'd put on amazing spreads, and um, he was a he was a funny guy. He was a really had a wicked sense of humour, and so when he passed, he said, "Well, you know, I've got a few things that I'd like you." You know, he was getting very old and frail when I saw him just before he passed, and he said, "I want you to come over, and and I've got a few things that I'd like you guys to have." And one of them was a beautiful framed picture. Of, it was a cast photo of Rocky Horror Show that he gave us that was autographed by everybody and, and that was mm. framed in black and white print. It was beautiful and he, he gave me that. And then he had a number of sculptures on his table and he said, do you like any of these? And it was a beautiful um, antique ceramic dove with a sort of gorgeous old like a, a Japanese sort of patina which, um, you know, like the ceramic was sort of cracked in places mm. and it was just beautiful and and it was, it, it looked like a pigeon, but it was sort of, uh, it, it's blue. And, and I just thought, oh, well, that's the bluebird. It's like a bluebird of happiness, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it was actually a dove uh, of peace, I suppose. <laughs> but it was blue. So I called it the bluebird of happiness. And it just reminded me of Stuart in that, you know, it represented for me. He was, I've never, I never saw him depressed or down or he was always, cheery and and um he was always a breath of fresh air Stuart you know so even when he was dying you know he was he was just maintained a positive attitude and for me that was um something that I'll always remember him by and a beautiful gift for him to to um to leave I think Russell got something that was uh Russell Russell also was bequeathed one of the sculptures and when he found out I got that and he 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 was like Oh, what, you got that? Did you? And I said, yeah. He goes, <laughs> he got some kind of weird sort of Ned Kelly thing, which was a bit of Australiana, which which I thought was horrible. <laughs> that is, um, that's such a privilege, though, isn't it? Sad, yeah, but very well, privileged. Yeah. It, yeah, it, it, it still um, got you know a special spot in my home, and um, yeah, it's something that I'll always remember him by. Hey, well, if you're having a dinner party, Steve, who would you invite? Uh, dead or alive, you can have anyone at your party to, to have your, your prawn and uh, pepperoni pizzas oh. together. Who would you Who would you Salami, invite? Kevin. Sorry, okay. I should, hot, hot salami. <laughs> hot salami, yeah, okay. Um, oh, who would I invite? Jeez, okay. Um, 
Well, um, I reckon Rasputin would be a bit of a giggle. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> a giggle. A giggle. <laughs> start with the big guns. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, we'd have to have some music. So Antonio Vivaldi would have to be there. Antonio Vivaldi was born on the same day as me, so he'd have to be tinkering on the ivory. Yeah. Um, and, uh, well, strings, whatever he played. Um, well, he, 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 you know, it's interesting because he wrote the four seasons for strings. But my son, my 14-year-old boy who taught himself how to play piano over COVID, mm-hmm. um, it plays Vivaldi's Winter on the piano. So oh, he really? transposed oh, it on wow. the piano. And it's beautiful on the piano. So oh. I'd get Vivaldi to, 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 um, to come along uh, to, so Rasputin would have something to dance to. Um, and maybe Elon Musk would be an interesting one. Blimey, this is a good mix. So he could explain the blockchain to Antonio Vivaldi and uh, Rasputin. Um, And maybe Gandhi could be there just to maintain the peace. Yeah. Um, Elvis would be pretty cool. And Frank Sinatra maybe just to to throw in a little bit of uh, the Rat Pack. Wow, Beautiful. you've put a lot of thought into that. That's probably one of the more um, eclectic <laughs> collections of people <laughs> we've had before. Well, I think you know, variety is the spice of life, um, <laughs> and and you need you need a bit of variety. Yeah. Hey, um, before we uh, we wrap up, and I ask you for a um, a kitchen or a cooking tip, I just I just needed to mention. Oh, there's Puffy. Hello. <laughs> oh my gosh. What's your dog's name? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> she wants to get in on the act. Neurotic. I am. Um, I know. I know that a lot of people remember you uh, fondly for for Angel in Police Rescue. But the first thing I remember you being in, Steve, was a movie. It was back in the eighties called um, The Still Point with uh, Nadine Garner. Oh wow! Gee, it's going weird. back a Nobody's long time. Ever. Nobody's ever brought that up in an interview, <laughs> oh, and. Yeah. Um, and I've always been pleased about that fact. <laughs> <laughs> Until now. Whoops. <laughs> Until now. God, I hate it when people do their research. Um, yeah, look, yeah, The Still Point was an interesting film. It was <laughs> You're ben being Mendelsohn. so diplomatic, aren't you? <laughs> it, yeah, it was Ben Mendelsohn, myself, Greg Fleet and Nadine Garner's screen debut. Yep. And, oh, wow. um, and, it, it, you know, the idea of it was going to be really cool. Like it was going to be this kind of, you know, breakfast club sort of Australian kind of vibe that, you know, we improvised a couple, you know, a couple of days where we sort of sat around and talked about the concept, what we were going to wear, how cool we were going to be, you know. And, um, and you know, we looked cool. There's no question about that. But um, <laughs> the script was a bit light on. <laughs> So, oh, Steve, um, that, that you know, dancing was next level too at the party. Oh, yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, nine, not, you actually saw it. My God. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm um, old enough, yep. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, that was – unfortunately, cool won't sustain uh, one's attention for, for 90 <laughs> minutes. So after about five minutes, it was like, yeah, okay, they're cool and – um, but, you know, the story was just a bit weird. It just didn't quite work. Uh, <laughs> it was a film that <laughs> I, I think is best sort of remembered uh, vaguely. <laughs> if at all. <laughs> so not showing, all. not showing at the Peninsula Film Festival on the 12th of March. <laughs> Unfortunately, we were unable to obtain a, 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 a copy. <laughs> um, and... Uh, 
grateful for that. But, uh, <laughs> but look, you know, the feature, the highlight of the film was Ben Mendelsohn wore a wetsuit for the about the entire movie, and ne- there was no surf to be seen. There was not a su- you know, there was not a. You never saw him in the water, but he just he walked around. <laughs> he was just this geek in a wetsuit. So, uh, and Mendelsohn sure, sure- would be one of the few people in the world who could actually pull that off. Yeah, well, he couldn't I mean, in those days. He didn't um, <laughs> believe me, but um, you know, um, we, we were little rat bags. You know, we were wandering around. We were sort of smoked a bit of weed on that dude. I think <laughs> Greg Fleet, Greg Fleet would turn up, and we'd we'd uh, we'd bust a little a little one paper racehorse, and away we went. <laughs> sort of, uh, I think that was the reason why um, why Greg sort of wore this. Those crazy John Lennon round glasses through most of the movie was to cover cover his eyes. <laughs> he looked about thirteen in that movie. Yeah, yeah, I think he was about fifteen actually. Oh and my ben goodness! Was, ben was thirteen, and um, Nadine was about fourteen, and I was about seventeen. Oh, goodness me! So, Aren't you glad no, we well, went there? Well, Fleety must have been seventeen. I was sixteen, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a it was a real trip down memory lane. <laughs> Well, yeah. well, as we said, just to, to finish off, we normally ask our guests, um, and sounds like you're a good person to ask because you're pretty handy in the kitchen, if uh, you had a cooking tip or a kitchen tip to impart, what would that be? Uh, don't be scared of salt. Ah. You know, people these days, they cook and it's, 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 they cook something and you go, I can't taste anything. There's no salt here. You know, there's, salt is a great thing. Mm. It's a really, uh, it's a great thing. Um, you need to use it when you're cooking. It's no good adding it after. It's like you need to use it when you're cooking. <laughs> and take your time to cook. Preparation is key. And, you know, uh, if you're cooking meat, cook it slowly, um, unless it's a barbecue. Um, if you're cooking meat, cook it slowly. If there's a sauce involved, cook it slowly. Don't be scared of the salt. And um, what else? Uh, what, what's kind of... Um, oh, yeah, scrambled eggs. Let's talk about scrambled eggs for a second, okay? I mean, scrambled eggs need to be cooked on a super low heat. You oh. know, you get these you get these things that are like pancakes in, in restaurants. You go and yeah. you ask for scrambled eggs and it comes out like thick like a pancake. Yeah. It needs to be folded gently and slowly over slow heat. You know, so. Oh, when I first met Kevin, he reduced his scrambled eggs to ball bearings, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) They're like little rubber pellets. Yeah. What was was the name of that movie again? Can we talk about that? Uh, Steve, it's been a delight to catch up. We've never had a – we've had uh, Brownlow medalists, we've had uh, Norm Smith medalists, we've had uh, Olympic gold medalists on this program. We've never had an Hawaii 5.0 medalist on the program before, so we're, we're <laughs> delighted <laughs> delighted to have you on that. I saw saw a little uh, picture of your Hawaii 5.0 medal. That's a lovely little uh, trinket to have. Well, they're great. Yeah, they were minted um, to commemorate milestones of the show and the producer, Peter Lenkov, is a friend of mine, and he said, oh, you guys – you know, you do want a couple of these, and I said, "Yeah, that'd be awesome." So just a no, just a nice gesture, and uh, again, uh, it, it's more what they symbolise—a memento of a friendship more than the actual, you know, thing. Yeah, absolutely. No, great little <laughs> idea. We don't have yeah. a we don't have a food bites medal, but we do have our our eternal <laughs> grateful thanks for you being on our program. Thank you so much. It was thanks, good fun. Steve. Yeah, good on you guys. Thanks for having me on the show.
Take care. You are listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Brought to you by Cheese Links. Bringing cheese and yogurt making to your kitchen. Cheeselinks.com.au All right, the Peninsula Film Festival, March 12, Dramana Drive-In. Check out the website and all the details there and you won't be seeing that movie with (laughs) the Dean Garner. Still point. You you got it up on YouTube and we watched about ten minutes of it. That's about all we can. (laughs) No, you know what? I want a date night with that film. We did it with Don's party. We did it with um, what was the other one? We did it with uh, the the horse. Oh, one. the oh yeah, ride a wild pony. Yes, that we did it with that. What were we thinking? You, you've made me look at some pretty ordinary film, and I'm and I'm with all due respect, Steve. I, I love your work, and I've really enjoyed chatting to you, but I don't think this film. Yeah, is but very can good. I say what a great sport too? Yeah, no, he absolutely. took it in the spirit. Yeah. He laughed about it. And yeah. I think you've just got to um, you just got to laugh oh, about. Look, these if I things. hear tapes of me when I was on radio when I was seventeen or eighteen, yeah. I cringe like there's no. Tomorrow, yeah, so. I still do. Oh, goodness! What? <laughs> Sorry, and I think we should probably, on that note, move on to the Friday food poll. Yes, interesting. This oh, one. Kevin's going to have plenty to say about this because he has a past with this particular thing. I do. Lychees, lychees. As I said, lychees as a food group. No, as a weapon of mass destruction. Thumbs up. No matter how I say lychees, I sound like a bogan. But let's just launch straight into it. Rebecca says they are okay. They're quite similar to uh, rambutans, okay. which are those hairy. What are they? <laughs> hairy round things. Okay, they were on a film on the <laughs> Disney Channel. <laughs> I've got no idea. What the hell are they? I'll show uh, you a photo. Okay. Michelle says, yes, please, yum. Karen Young, nay, not a fan. Sharon Bond says, absolutely, fresh off the tree, oh, yummy. Yeah. They grow on trees, do people, they? Apparently, so okay. does money, if you believe what your dad He's told 16. you. He's 16. No. <laughs> uh, Lisa says, never tasted one. Leonie Kay says, yay. Joylene, yay. Labartshaw says, it's a yes from me. Sue Hosking says, yuck. Mrs. Walls made us all eat one in grade four, and I'm still in therapy for it. Mrs. Walls was a primary school teacher. Obviously, uh, Mrs. Walls was some sort of sadist. <laughs> um, Sylvana says, never tasted one. Lena, yeah, not a fan. Artie says, uh, never given them a moment's consideration. Yeah, neither have I. <laughs> Old croaky. Yeah, they are hard work to enjoy. Uh, a good friend of ours, Dr. Joe Garris, says, yes, my go-to dessert at Fresh Chili Time. Oh, that's... Interesting. Hmm. Kate Stevenson, two mares in two yeah. weeks. I feel a bit ashamed. No, don't. 12 Julie off the uh, Twitter says, uh, love them, delicious. Alan, yes, yes. Stephen Quartermain uh, very succinctly <laughs> says, no. Quite emphatic with that uh, exclamation yep. mark. Jane Barnes, I love them. Stuart Sutherland says, never had one. Anne Peacock, no. Mare, simple yuck, no chance. Bramp says, a massive yay. Mm. Avril Ford, yay, but uh, Rambutans, <laughs> still better, those hairy I'll, round things. I'll wait till I get photographic I evidence know of I that, Avril. I correctly. And finally, Wayne says, oh. lychees are foul and vile things that taste like a can of Harpic bog spray and a piece of <laughs> Turkish misery. Sorry, sorry, I mean delight. Uh, it sounds like the uh, Harpic bog spray and the Turkish misery had a baby. First alarm bells for me ring when I see it has spines. Oh. Spines, spines are nature's way of saying, eat me at your own peril. Puffer fish, porcupines, and those weird little sea doodads with gross orange goo in them are the perfect examples of that. Plus, the seeds contain methylene cyclopolyprop acetic acid. Oh, well done for spitting that out. Which is toxic and lychees have been known to cause death in certain regions. And I can vouch for that because I'm dying in the bum right now. (laughs) 
It's been eaten in China since the 11th century, but fear not, gentle souls, when I invent my time machine and go back to stab that banana who cursed the world with tofu, I will make a detour while I'm there and stomp every plant that produces this squelchy testicle of grossness back into the earth from whence it came. More nays than Flemington Stables on Cup Day. What is it, a squelchy what? A testicle. squelchy testicle of grossness. Oh, I read that book. It's a Stephen King novel, I think. Well, that's uh, just confirmed. I, I'm not even going to bother trying. Now, I have the saviour for lychees, oh. and I have it courtesy of a former guest of this program who wrote this in his column last week yep. uh, in, uh, in the Delicious <laughs> magazine. Matt Preston says <laughs> lychees. He'd done a whole thing yeah. on blackberries, bananas, mangoes, and he got to lychees. Mm-hmm. Sweet lychees have achieved fame in roast red duck curries and Luke Nguyen's Vietnamese lemongrass beef and lychee mm. vermicelli salad. But they also <laughs> shine with some coconut ice cream or a cheesecake dressed with a lime syrup. Mm. This is Matt speaking. I'm more likely to use them in drinks, so try blending lychees with cold-infused Earl Grey tea. Oh, I had a friend order a lychee cocktail just the other day. And a splash of vodka. Mm. Or get busy mixing a little elderflower cordial with lychees to stir into a gin soda or champagne. No, it's not making me, not sounding more appealing. But Kevin, I know that you've had personal experience with lychees. What are they good for, Kevin? They're good for chucking at people. Uh, Wasn't it you that said... The best thing you can do with a lychee is chuck it at the wall and see if it sticks. Was yeah. that you? Well, yeah, and hopefully someone <laughs> someone gets in the road of it while you're doing it. Uh, famously went to a very nice, a very high-end uh, of town uh, Chinese restaurant in the 80s with the Western Bulldogs, then the Footscray Football Club. It was about 120 of us <laughs> in the room. And as the waiters walked out to the tables and put the lychees down on each of the tables, there were two particular gentlemen, <laughs> uh, both of whom have played over 100 games for the club. One's played 240-odd games and has a son who's currently playing. The other one has a son-in-law who's currently playing for Richmond, but uh, he was the captain of the club at the time. They looked across the room at each other and as their eyes met, all the waiters tweaked to the fact of what they were going to do and disappeared like like something out of a, uh, you know, like the floor had opened them up and they sort uh. of almost literally crawled along the floor out of the room. And as they did, everyone saw the lychees, <laughs> looked at the two gentlemen, saw what they were going to do, picked theirs up and I've never seen, it was like, the, it was like a snow storm in the middle of Wisconsin uh, at Christmas time. <laughs> Kevin, did you partake? Absolutely. Yeah, that's Absolutely. disgraceful behaviour. And uh, credit to Shane O'Sullivan and the uh, the uh, hierarchy of the club who paid for the cleaning bill. <laughs> and and I've never set foot in that restaurant ever again because um, I think we're banned. We've for all life. been banned. I think so. And w- as well, you should be. No, it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Oh. It, it was like the biggest snowstorm you've ever seen, and it was like, whoosh, and it lasted. I reckon all of about 25 seconds and it was done and that was it. And then the place just looked like a bomb hit it and we all got up and walked out. That's disgraceful. <laughs> it is. No, no, I hand on my heart, it is disgraceful. God, it was funny. <laughs> it was so much yeah. fun and it was funny. But anyway, we digress. Cheese links, <laughs> don't be throwing your cheese at no. each other. Um, but if you w- would like to make your own cheese, please do it. It can be a little messy at time, but not like a lychee fight. Mm. Cheeselinks.com.au, that is uh, where you should go and you'll find out all the details you need to know, all the equipment <laughs> you need to have and uh, get your, your throwing arm in. 
Many, many thanks to Steve Bastoni for being yeah, our special thanks, guest Steve. this week. That was a wonderful, wonderful uh, chat. Peninsula Film Festival, March 12 at the Dramana Drive-In. Check it out and uh, go and uh, support that because uh, great short films you'll see there, some terrific short mm. films you'll see Be there. there, Kevin, or be square. Absolutely. Till the next time, <laughs> bye for now. Thanks for listening to Food Bites. Check out our Facebook page and Twitter for recipes, tips and all the latest news. That's Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Brought to you by Cheese Links. Bringing cheese and yoghurt making to your kitchen. All you need to know at cheeselinks.com.au.